You were belting it. You belted it out last night at the karaoke <laughs> at, the ca- at the holiday party. I mean, how did you do that? You're a very talented dude. I've you been know. able to sing for a long time. Wow. So you've been in choruses and things like that? Have you been uh, in, in you know, singing clubs and so forth? Yeah, and I, I did training for a while, and I had one of those teachers that would, you know, bang on the piano key if you got it wrong, the very typical, <laughs> typical listen, you know, and wasn't my thing, and I just taught myself how to sing for the most part. Oh, my gosh. It's too bad it wasn't recorded. Because it would have been it would have been great content for the radio, but you know every time we have a potty and every time we do the karaoke there and by, and by the way Eve from uh, Karaoke Sound Company did an, an, an amazing job. All, Didn't she? She's all just by amazing. herself and oh not a bad singer herself either. I must say, <sighs> incredible. Yeah, and so every time that happens, um, I, I say to myself, we've got to we've got to have a karaoke radio show and call it. K-S-C-O-K-E, or something like that. You like that idea? I do. And you know what? If you're open to it, I'll make a few recordings, and if you want them for the station, you can have them. Oh, my God. Now, who would turn down an offer like that? <laughs> Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. All right. Now, listen. Um, we have the uh, Crossfire music bed uh, loaded into the computer here. Do you happen to have the special fanfare the crossfire, you know, sort of connotes, you know, controversy. And there ain't going to be nothing controversial about the program that we're going to do for the next couple hours, I don't think. No, I don't think so. i tell you what, if you want to play your opening promo and then uh, our one music, I can get it. I can get it uh, okay, this is good. Yeah. Th- this is good. Okay. So I'll play the hour one open like we normally do, then the promo, and that'll give you a couple minutes to find the uh, special fanfare music for the Saturday special. Okay, very good. Ready? One, two, no. Three, two, one. Good morning. A brighter day is here. Good morning. May we bring you cheer. We've got time, we've got tunes, we've got time, tunes and temperature. Get up and go, it's today you know on KFCO Radio. Hey, good morning, KSCO Land MZ is here welcoming you to hour number one of the KSCO Saturday special. On the air right up until 12 noon. It's an audience participation interview program. How about that? Now that's, uh, what a concept. Anyhow, stay with us right up until noon. You'll be happy you did. Good morning. Now stay right here on KSCO Radio. You've heard the expression, talk is cheap, right? Much as I respect and enjoy talk radio, I realize that there is quite a difference between complaining and moaning about something and actually working to produce needed or worthwhile change. Hence, perhaps the phrase talk radio should be changed to talk is cheap radio. What do you think? This Saturday, I plan to introduce our KSCO audience to a most inspirational young man, a professional surfer with a strong social conscience who doesn't just talk about needed change, 
change, but takes a proactive role to make that change come to pass. At 23, Kyle Tierman does a lot more than catch and ride waves. He runs an organization called Surfing for Change. The website you should check out is surfingforchange.com. And Kyle and his buddies are doing exactly what the website suggests and lots of good along the way. Here's some amazing stories about what surfers are doing to improve the planet on the next KSCO special this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, right here on How Cool Is All This Radio, AM 1080 KSCO. All right, it's not... Not as if you haven't been here before, Kyle, but welcome back to KS. You've never been on the Saturday special before, right? Yeah, this is my first time when the, uh, <laughs> the daylight hours are out. Last time was the uh, off-the-lip radio, which might be a little bit different of vibe this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I heard you the other night on uh, Neil's program, Off the Lip, uh, and uh, that program is, is, is developing some uh, pretty strong legs of its own, i got to say. So it's fantastic. And I had already heard of you. In fact, I saw the... Um, the TEDx video uh, that that you that you did, I think it was in 2011. Is that right? Yeah, that was 2011. Uh, yeah, and that was a very inspirational video. Uh, why don't you? Uh, it 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 talks about how um, you um, uh, made you, you and 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 other you know people who are into surfing made quite a significant change by educating people about the banking system. Another, t- tell us the story. How did that all happen? Sure. So um, the TEDx video you can see on YouTube, just uh, type in Santa Cruz TEDx, and I'm the guy in the wetsuit. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny because I was uh, they, they invited me to do the TEDx talk, and I was super stoked and, and grateful, and they were like, so what are you going to wear? And I was like, well, you know, it's like a pretty prestigious event. I'll wear like a button-up shirt or something like that. And they're like, Kyle, like, you know, we want you to know that you're – you don't want to think of it this way, but you're really competing with every other video on TED.com. You know, you want people to click on your video. And a lot of people just look at the thumbnail before they, they click something. You know, it's the same, hence all the YouTube videos we all right. click on. Right. So they're like, so maybe you should wear something, you know, a little more out there, like a wetsuit or something. I was like, no way, that is not going to happen. But then they kind of convinced me that, I know you should really do it. I'm like, okay. But that's not so, what... That's not how it ended, though. No, so, so I ended up yeah. I ended up wearing the this this spring suit wetsuit, uh-huh. right? But the funny thing was is then you know so I give this talk on this documentary that uh, I made on on surfing and and the banking system, the importance of of having your money in a local bank, um, and then the video went up on on TEDx.com and the play button on YouTube went right over. My crotch. So it just looked like this naked guy on stage with a TEDx.com. So I think that that was kind of uh, what contributed <laughs> to all the all the people checking out the views. Unfortunately, well, wait a minute. When you said wetsuit, I mean, I remember that that there's no wetsuit there. I didn't think. I mean, you're bare chested. I'm basically. Yeah, it's like half. Half wetsuit. Okay, half. All right. But um, it's I don't know if I'm ever gonna live that one down. Whenever I go <laughs> surf now, everyone's like, "How's the TED talk, Kyle?" Like. So I don't know. I'm gonna. It's gonna take another ten years for me to work up the courage to do that one again. <laughs> Back up, please. 
you and I have a kinship in that we are both Santa Cruz natives. Okay, you were born um, when? 1990. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The year I made the deal to buy this radio station, you were born. And that, that's <laughs> All right, and, and you grew up uh, in Santa Cruz the whole time, yeah? You yep. go off to college anywhere? Um, I grew up in Santa Cruz. Uh, my, my parents split. I was born on Cayuga Street, uh, and then my parents split up. My mom moved to the west side. My dad moved to the east side, and I was uh, really lucky. You know, they have a, a good relationship still, so I would split my time between the two. So half the week I would be surfing the lane on the west side, and then the other half of the week I would be surfing the point on the east side. So uh, Not a bad life. It was not a bad life, yeah. And I, and I actually, um, I mean, the, kind of the, the west side, east side thing is very infamous in Santa Cruz, but it was kind of cool because half of my best friends uh, are from the west side and the other half are from the east side. So I, I really did get the best of both worlds. Also, half the best waves in our town are on the west side, and the other half are on the east side. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, Great waves on both sides of town. All right. Yeah, yeah that's terrific. So, uh, okay, so uh, from a pretty early age? Yeah, from a pretty early age, I was surfing. Um, went to Mission Hill Junior High. Uh, went to Santa Cruz High. And then uh, my junior year of Santa Cruz High, I would say, was where there was a big kind of turning point uh, from my life as just being a surfer and a you know, high school student to actually going after uh, this career path. Um, and that was when I decided to go to um, AFE, Alternative Family Education. They're based uh, right where Branza 40 Elementary School uh, oh. is. And they have a really great program. It's very um, very self-directed. And I, I felt like I was a very self-directed person. And, and I think that most of my frustration with, with public high school came about that there was just so much busy work that I felt had no application to to my life, the current situation of the world, uh, where we were headed, where I was headed. And it was really frustrating for me to kind of have that uh, – that model that unfortunately I think public you, you lived you lived under with those feelings for some time you know, did it, it start it, to it, develop and you figure hey why am I going down let's are, are you a guy who likes to you know see where see what's happening and then make changes quickly I'm very I'm very self-directed I would say and I really don't value the model that public education tends to go for which is it, uh ingest a ton of information really quickly and then regurgitate it on a test and forget it. It's like how much actual information do you still remember from high school? Like chances are you probably remember the time the girl dumped you. Like that was like your most most like seared memory in time rather than like how to, you know, do your algebra equations, that kind of thing. So I've I've found that um at least not to say that, you know, math isn't important and all these things aren't important, but I find um, that I learn best by doing, um, not sitting in a classroom and re- regurgitating information. So um, when I made the switch, I was thankful that, that my parents supported me to do uh, AFE, Alternative Family Education. I re- and that's not inexpensive, right? No, no, it's 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 not expensive. Um, no, not inexpensive not, is what I said. Oh, not in No, no, no. It's because it's, I would think that it costs a lot of money com- compared to. No, no, no. It's I mean, not really, actually. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah, it's not it's not a high end private school by any means. Um, so I mean, it's definitely something that that I would recommend if if your kids really aren't digging 
public education. Um, I think that just one of the biggest tragedies, honestly, of, of public education is that if you aren't a good test taker, uh-huh. lots of times you can be led to think that you're stupid. Um, wow. And I think that, that it's that's not the case at all, but there are just different types of learners. And, um, you know, I am a kinesthetic learner. I, I learn by by going out there and doing stuff. And, and thankfully, um, I had a really amazing teacher uh, my junior year of high school. Her name was Jasmine Greer. We still stay in touch. Um, and she really, really allowed me um, to say, you know, what is it that you're interested in and how can we apply what is necessary to learn, you know, math, science, all these basic subjects to real life. So so from there, I started learning about science through the ocean because I was really interested in surfing. You know, I started um, learning uh, about video production. I was always really interested in video production. And um, I was really interested in, in using what I love to do, which was surfing and traveling, and apply that to some sort of uh, social change. And it was honestly that that goal was as broad as that. I wanted to use what I loved to create some kind of change in the world. I, I realized that growing up in a place like Santa Cruz, um, you know, I've, I've been have access to a lot of privilege, um, and a lot of people aren't in the, this kind of unique situation. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to travel from a really young age and and see that <laughs> not everyone is as privileged as as I am. Uh, How was it you traveled from a young age? Um, my parents, my parents really valued traveling. I'm the youngest of five. All my older brothers and sisters surf and, and travel around. So I was, I was lucky enough to be able to, um, check out a lot of the world. Um, I also have some really great surf sponsors, um, like Patagonia, Sector 9, Cliff Bar. So they were, they support me, um, you know, to go travel around and, and, uh, basically go on different different trips but the interesting thing is is that a lot of the best waves in the world are in very poor developing countries so unless you completely have the blinders on um you can see that there's a lot of suffering in the world um just through going on 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 these kinds of trips um so i think that that was a big a big uh factor in kind of developing my world view that if i had the opportunity to help then i should um and I knew, and I also knew that I, I didn't want to want to sacrifice my my lifestyle and sacrifice the things that I love for creating change in the world. Um, and I think that that's another. I mean, talk about another big tragedy just within within activism and, and creating world change. There's this uh, this kind of uh, stereotype that activists aren't fun people. You know, like a lot of times the people who you run into, they're, they're just kind of very, very serious and humorless. Very serious, very humorless, and and just uh, kind of angry. And and a lot of times, I think that they don't. A lot of people have a way easier time talking about the problem than they do talking about the solution. And I think that th- that, yeah, that that's what's wrong with talk radio is what I think. Right. Well, and that's yeah. just it's something that I don't identify with because at the end of the day, if you say watch a documentary and and. I watch probably more documentaries than anyone I know. I probably watch four documentaries a week. Um, and there, I think that there is a shift happening with newer documentaries that are coming out that are more solution-oriented because they, uh, the, the producers realize that when you basically just dig someone a hole for 95% of the documentary and then at the end say, oh, go to this website and, you know, check out the solutions. It doesn't, it doesn't inspire people they're to ra- actually are, do they're that. They're rarely solutions. Right. Anyhow, right? Right. That's the problem. 
Yeah, so um, I knew that I identified with those those values. I knew I loved surfing. Um, and around that time, um, we're going to get back to the TED Talk. <laughs> this is a very roundabout answer no, fine, to, to fine, your question. We have two, two hours, I guess. So, um, I started learning about the banking system. Um, I started learning about the uh, immense power to create change in the world through where we keep our money. Uh, it's one of the most leveraged actions you can take uh, as a citizen is deciding where you want to put your money. And the reason for that is because when you put your money in a bank, it doesn't stay there. Banks actually use your money to lend out, to underwrite um, different projects, everything from you know maybe your local KSCO radio to uh, uh, home to something as as big as a, a multinational corporation's coal power plant halfway around the world. Um, so I started learning about that, and some banks are notorious for funding um, projects that that we that I personally don't like. You know, Bank of America, for example, is the largest funder of coal power worldwide. Um, there are basically 20 of the top multinational banks that tend to fund uh, environmental destruction. Um, but the really cool thing about this whole issue is that it, um, when you move your money into a local bank or credit union, these banks are much more uh, vested in your community. They're much more likely to make loans within your community. And the, the thing is, is that then they use your money to lend out within Santa Cruz, and it doesn't get sucked out halfway around the world um, to fund, say, a coal power plant in Chile. And that was the, the documentary that the TED Talk was on where I took a trip down to Chile um, with a local photographer, uh, Ryan Chachi Craig, who um, is kind of getting pretty big in the surf world right now. So it was really fun to take that early trip with him. And we made a, uh, a four-minute YouTube video basically outlining, hey, we're going to go surf this wave that uh, there's this proposed coal power plant um, down in this uh, local Chilean fishing town. All the locals are against it, um, and the the corporation is going in um, against the citizens' will. And it, I think that it's hard to fight a a company where they are inherent. A coal company, you know, they make coal power, so it's hard to tell them to not make coal power. But you can go upstream a little bit and say, okay, this coal company still needs a loan from a bank to make this project happen. Bank of America turned out to be the bank that is funding this uh, this coal plant. Um, so we made we made a documentary targeting that um, and showing the solution that if you move your money into a local bank, uh, you can uh, directly uh, unfund the problem and start funding the solution. Um, so that was where the TED Talk came from because the the video went out on YouTube. People started taking action. Um, surfers widely were the ones who spread the video around. Um, a few surf companies actually made the commitment to move their money out of um, Bank of America and into more responsible banks. Um, and that was kind of the campaign that, that started the Surfing for Change series. And um, we, I keep track of, of everyone who, who emails me and says, hey, we, I've moved my money, that kind of thing. And, and it's been really cool to see the amount of people that have, that have taken action on it. We've uh, documented to date uh, $360 million of lending power being moved out of Bank of America. Companies actually reveal to you 
information like that, like how, a dollar amount that they move? Well, if they're doing, if they're going towards the the good side, they yeah, do yeah. definitely. If uh, it, you know, if you're a, uh, a corporation that doesn't want to disclose where their money is because they know it might be in some some shady some <laughs> shady assets, then uh, then they probably won't. And it, it, it the um, it could be a lot bigger than that because again, you know, you might you might see the YouTube video or the TED talk and you might move money, but chances are you're not going to call up Kyle and say, "Hey, I just moved a hundred thousand dollars like that." So, I, I would say actually that's probably the um, the weakest point of of my work is actually checking out those measurable goals because we make YouTube videos. Like Surfing for Change is a YouTube series, and a lot of times you you watch a video and then you go check your email or you do something else. You don't make contact with the person. So pretty small right. percentage. So I, I'm trying to figure out ways actually to to get our audience more more directly engaged. I mean we have a we have a really active Facebook page on uh, Surfing for Change. Next time you're on Facebook, Twitter, surfingforchange.com, we have an email list so we'll we come out with uh with updates and that kind of thing. But I'm always trying to figure out ways to engage uh our audience more. The ultimate social media no, so the ultimate social media, the original social medium is, I submit, talk radio. Yeah. 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 You don't need a Maybe this is the solution. Maybe we're well, going to have could a could be part of it. Could be part of it. I like <clears throat> it. You never know. This is fun. You never know. We're talking with Kyle Tierman, uh, who is the executive director. Is that right? Of, would, would you go Create, surfing? I don't know. Creator, video guy. He's the head guy. <laughs> the head, dude. Head, head guy of, uh, of uh, surfingforchange.com. Is it also .org, too? You've got yeah. Got .org there. Surfing for, F-O-R, change.com or .org. Check it out when you can, and you'll find that um, that uh, uh, Kyle and uh, people who are associated with him are very serious about effecting positive change in the world uh, through their surfing uh, activities. I think that's really cool. I really do. And uh, and, and I, I, I sure want to... Help help you in any way that uh, that KSEO can, um, if nothing more than just put the word out, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, this is it's it's all helpful. I think that um, I think that creating awareness is the first step, and um, you know, I don't know that documentaries can change the world on their own, but I think that they can change the awareness in the world that allows people to actually make the decisions that change the world. Um, and you see it time and time again. So that's the reason I'm so interested in in just storytelling. You know, we I cover um, all kinds of issues. Um, I'm heading off to to do the eighth video in our series on Monday um, to go on a trip out to Hawaii. We're going to cover the the GMO movement happening in Hawaii. It's kind of ground zero um, for GMOs worldwide. But but we cover all different kinds of issues. And really, the theme throughout all of them is that. Um, we incorporate surfing uh, into into the each documentary, and we look for issues that people are solving upstream. Um, we try and basically sh- shed light on people and organizations that are doing really badass work, and we try and get them a new audience of of people because most people primarily through YouTube primarily through YouTube and huh. primarily through um, you know different media media outlets we have really good relationships with uh, with media outlets in the surf industry and in the action sports industry um, but you know most people who, who watch our videos are 
uh, between you know, 18 and, and uh, 35. So it's and I think that it's it's one of those things too where talking. So so a lot of it I would say is is telling a story that shines the light on people who are doing really good work. Um, and it's kind of I think hard sometimes to talk about your own work if say you're a, a nonprofit. Um, I think that sometimes it's easier for someone else to to shed that light. So that's what I really like doing. And I, and I especially like seeing it when we, when we make a video that then has a positive impact on the organization. Um, you know, for example, there's a, an organization, we went down to, to Nicaragua last year and we made a documentary on this new model of tourism that people are working on in this small town called Gigante. And the organization that is kind of facilitating this new and more sustainable, um, model of tourism is called Project Wu, Project Wave of Optimism. You guys, have you ever heard of them? No. So they're actually, um, the founders are Santa Cruz-based guys, and they moved down to Nicaragua for a few years, um, and they essentially just just made friends with all the locals. They, they watched. They were not the kind of missionary type to go in and say, oh, you... Uh, native people, we have the solution for you. Like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of uh, white, white, well-intended world changers tend to do go into to third world countries and say, oh, hey, we know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what drew me to Project Wu's work so much and drew me to make a documentary about them was that they really were um, much more about the whole follow and lead at the same time. They really said, what is it that your community needs most? What, how is it? Because cause just kind of a little yeah, back, ask backstory. Ask them, don't tell them. Ask yeah, a little, them. a little backstory on Higante. They have this really really amazing wave in Nicaragua. Nicaragua is um, exploding in surf culture. A lot of new money, a lot of new surfboards are going, going down to Nicaragua right now because they have all these really uncrowded, amazing waves. Um, and along with this kind of explosion of tourism, there's a, a historical curve that tourist destinations follow. It's called Butler's Curve of Tourism, and it uh, shows how you know the first people that that show up to a place are the explorers. They're the ones who you know, are, go through the jungle before anything's built, and they say discover the amazing wave 20 years before anyone else gets there. After the explorers. Um, are kind of the early adopters, people who will start to come down because maybe they heard about someplace, but still there's not really infrastructure built um, around facilitating a tourist destination. After the early adopters, there's this really steep growth curve um, in tourism where this is where the roads start getting built, the hotels start going up, uh, industry shifts to facilitate uh, the tourist. Um then what happens after however um, many years this boom happens, they hit a ceiling, either because of uh, the environmental pollution has gone so bad that then um, they, you know, the smog issues and no one wants to go there anymore. Maybe the industry has shifted towards you know, drugs and prostitution because that's what they think the travelers want, you know, and yeah. you see these places like, you know, Haka or something uh, in Costa Rica that was a really cool place at one point, but now is kind of just known more as a shady town. Mm-hmm. So these people who, who uh, again, Project Wu, the, the founders were from Santa Cruz, they went down there and they kind of saw that this pattern was was 
beginning to take place um, because this place has this place Sagante has an amazing wave. People want to go there, and they saw the opportunity for more sustainable development. So what they did is they started holding town hall meetings where all the locals could come and they could basically talk about what is it that um, they want for their community. With all this new money coming in, how is it that they can um, build infrastructure that will actually um, help their community for the long run? Um, and then they started implementing or helping the locals implement what they needed. For example, they um, the locals in Higante had no way for the elementary school kids to get to um, to uh, junior high, basically, which was 20 kilometers away, and most of the kids would then drop out uh, after fifth grade. So they said, we would love a school bus so that the kids could make it uh, to junior high. So they, they did fundraisers. Um, they got this school bus that's now totally community-driven and community-owned project uh helped facilitate that, but now they're, that's completely self-sufficient. They're not even a part of the school bus anymore, and it's it's great. I, I want it's this big blue school bus with all these community handprints all over the school bus, and um, and it's just a, it, I think that's a small example of a town coming together, figuring out on their own what their needs are, um, and then implementing it. Um, and the cool thing, especially about that, is that I think that a lot of non Profits, you know, they go down. They say, "Hey, we want to do all this good work for your community. We're down here." You know, they start implementing good projects. Then maybe funding runs out for them, and all the people in the nonprofit leave. And if the community hasn't fully adopted the programs, yeah. they just dry up, and and nothing gets sustained. So I think that that's actually a really cool model for creating change around the world. I can't wait for you to tell me what role, if any, the government had in any of this Project Woo stuff. Um, the local government. The local government, um, I think, pretty minimal, actually. Um, was I figured you'd say that? Yeah, pretty, pretty minimal. I mean, it's it. However, but, but I, maybe the yeah. government there isn't like the government here. If the government here was involved in something, it would be it would be stonewalled for years. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. It's uh, I I definitely find that it's probably uh, the least nimble aspect of our society, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that that's just the theme of um, of diversity. Themes of of communities coming up with their own solutions tend to be the most effective things um, and, and effective ways to go about solutions, not necessarily what a lot of our government tends to do, which is just a blanket statement of, of standardization of this is how we're going to solve a problem, you know, like war on drugs. This is how we're going to do it. Like, okay, that's working great for us so far. I, I've found that, that uh, you know, communities who are um, tackling drug issues are, are doing it uh, themselves. They're doing it with their own community centers. They're it's d- the they're only way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, it, you, can, you can take that model to literally every, um, the, 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 the model of, of diversifying, the model of coming up with, with your own solutions that, are be- that best fit your community. Y- you can apply that to anything. I mean, how does nature do it? Nature doesn't tend to monocrop, do they? Nature, nature is biodiverse. It has all these different solutions. They see what works, what doesn't work. They, uh, nature adopts what works best and goes towards that. Um, but they definitely don't don't tend to to standardize because that's where you get something 
like you know a collapse of a crop when one bug comes in it wipes out the whole thing. Wow. Hey, um, if you want to talk to uh, Kyle, ask him a question, um, uh, make a comment. We're going to invite you to do so um, starting any time now. 831-479-1080 is the phone number if you want to participate in the Saturday special. Uh, or you can send an email to mz at ksco.com. Um, are you as impressed as I am that someone's actually doing something and getting getting stuff done instead of just talking about it? I mean, I think that's really, really cool, as I said in the uh, promo. So um, tell us, tell us uh, what, are, what, what some of the things that you have on your uh, bucket list of uh, projects for Surfing for Change. Well, we are taking off uh, to the North Shore of Oahu on Monday, day after tomorrow, to do our next documentary, um, which is on the uh, GMO movement in Hawaii. Uh, the Hawaiian Islands are ground zero for genetically modified organisms, GMO foods. Do, do your listeners know a lot? Oh about my gosh! Yeah, we, we, we talk about that a lot. Okay, and and that's that's something where where many of many of us from all polit- political per, uh, perspectives can agree and do agree. I mean, haven't you found that to be the, talk about you know uh, a, a uniting uh, uh, topic? Yeah, and, I mean, and, you know, it's sort of like uh, who's against pollution? You know? Yeah. Uh, who, I mean, everyone eats food, who, right? Who, Unless who's, like a, who's in favor of GMO? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, our engineer, Richard B. Luther II, is up in the front room. And uh, that might be a cue, because he and I were talking a little bit about that. Uh, when was it, yesterday or the day before? And he is a very analytical, analytical engineer type. And um, Rich, oh, hey, can, there's the microphone up there. You can come on now. How do I put, how do I put it on up here? Or do you want to just come into the studio? Yeah, just come into the studio. It'll be a better quality thing. <clears throat> Everybody, I, I don't like GMO anything. Okay, I mean, just to make a blanket statement, I don't like the idea of, of messing with you know molecules and stuff, the stuff that I consume and put in my in my person. Um. Now, Richard pointed out to me as we were having a discussion the other day that just about you, you can't get anything that or, or you can get very few things that are not GMO now. Guess isn't that pretty much what we were talking about, Richard? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, but what does that mean? Does that mean that people shouldn't be as upset about GMOs as they tend to be? Well, I don't know if it means they shouldn't be so upset, but. Uh you know, the truth of the matter is that the, m- most of the stuff we eat is genetically modified. good example is rice. All the rice on this planet is uh, genetically modified. It's uh, drought resistant. And uh, even in China, anywhere in the world you go. You're talking about because it's been, in, been genetically modified by the agrochemical companies? Is that what you're talking about? Or just that it's been it, naturally it's, modified? It's been unnaturally modified by man to be drought resistant. Okay. That's, okay. that's the definition of GMO. Okay. It's, it's been modified. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. So, so that, that being said, are, are you, are you, you're sort of amused by all the hoopla going on, you know, about GMO. Yeah, you should just assume that everything... Michael Olson and and everybody on on the food chain who listens to the food chain, I, I mean, I'm I'm not hysterical yet. I mean, some people are, but I'm getting there. 
I don't like the idea at all. And you were sort of chuckling at me and the people who get all upset about GMOs. Well, they are uh, you not? They uh, everything is is modified pretty much. Um, if you just assume that, you know, you go in the store, you say, okay, everything I see here is genetically modified, except uh, some of them. Some of the uh, locally grown organic farmers may have some that's not. They should label it as not. You know, you shouldn't label. Uh, GMOs, you should label things that are not GMOs. Because well, well, that's such a small, you know, just a few items would be labeled. You should then. just presume everything is presume GMO. Presume everything is, is GMO. And what it's, should, what, what should be forced to be labeled, well, forced for, to be labeled. But yeah, let, let the people that, uh, have so, non-GMO label it non-GMO. They'll have something special. So let me understand something. We, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't add that to the discussion here. <laughs> the recent, uh, ballot measure about, that, that went down to startling defeat. Right. You know, because of all the money from the from the big from you know, right. Well, so so m- there are about five or six crops that are the main staple crops that uh, Americans use: corn, soy, canola, uh, cotton. These are the the main GMO crops. And I think that Richard, what you're talking about is that most products in the supermarket now have some sort of say corn in them. You know, you're you're going to get a cereal. You're going to get um, whatever it is that you're eating, we put a corn in a lot of our a lot we of sure our stuff. Sure do, don't we? we yeah. So um, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of what you're talking about. In that most products on the supermarket have one of these five crops in them, because overwhelmingly this is what um, GMO is being used for. The the uh, vice president of Syngenta, which is the largest agrochemical co- uh, company in the world. Basically said, uh, he's told the New York Times recently that, um, every corn seed that touches, that is sold in the United States at one point or another touched Hawaii. Because Hawaii is ground zero, it's the epicenter for GMO testing and development. That's what you were talking about. I totally miss, I'm happy you brought, I'm happy you stressed that right now. Because when you said ground zero earlier, I thought it was ground zero of the movement to let everybody know no, about No, no, no. And, and that really is the big, the reason that there is so much energy from the Hawaiian Islands right now, um, you know, against these companies like Monsanto, Syngenta, DuPont, isn't necessarily against GMO food itself. It's that when you grow a GMO crop, you are inherently on this treadmill against Mother Nature because overwhelmingly what GMO food is used for is, like you've heard of Roundup Ready, right? Absolutely. So what they do is they genetically modify the seed to be able to withstand the um, pesticide Roundup. So what farmers can then do is they spray Roundup all over their farm. It kills all the weeds, it kills Ex- everything it, that they want. Killed. It, it yeah. kills everything except the corn, right? But the, but they're on this constant treadmill because every four or five years, nature tends to evolve. So what you get then are these super weeds that can withstand poisons that then these companies are constantly catching up to make stronger and stronger poisons that will work. And, I mean, right now, Monsanto, I don't know if you, if you guys knew this, but Monsanto is the company that originally developed Agent Orange back in, yeah. and they tested it on Kauai in 1967, 68, and they're now in their next round of, of Roundup, they're using, uh, 2,4-D, which is one of the main ingredients to 
Agent Orange in their new roundup. That's spread. a perfect segue for it, for us to put our, our first caller, who happens to be Michael Olson, on the phone now. Uh, hey, Mo, you're on. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I call to agree with everybody. Oh, okay. Which is pretty good. <laughs> you're so first easy. Of all, uh, yeah. First of all, I would like to agree with Richard. I don't think there is, with the exception of wild plants, wild animals, all you know, domesticated plants and animals have been re-engineered through uh, biological selection to, you know, amplify the favorable characteristics we look for in, in cultivation. So what Richard said is absolutely true. Uh, what Kyle said is also true. Uh, the difference with genetically modified organisms is that we're mating different species of, of, of organisms together, which is not done in nature. Uh, for as, as Kyle said, we now have corn that has been genetically modified and to be infused with a pesticide so that every molecule of the corn now becomes a container of pesticide. And uh, to be able to withstand herbicides that would otherwise kill all other life around it. So uh, this is very beneficial to farmers. Farmers love this stuff because now one farmer can grow a 1,000 acres of crops with no... Uh, bugs or, or weeds. This is amazing stuff. But what is that leaves the consumer but a food that has been genetically modified and is now infused with pesticide and drenched in herbicide. So what's the benefit there? And that's why I think consumers should have the right to know that they're did, did, did you ever, in, in all of the radio programs you did on this subject about right to know, about labeling, did you ever find anybody, either a guest on the program or a caller to the program, who would disagree with labeling? Oh, yeah. You did? Absolutely. Sure. Well, well look. Uh, well, well the, besides the, the people from the companies that put up all the money that defeated well, the, the, the thing. Initi- the yeah. initiatives to label uh, GMOs have failed in California and Washington State. I mean, people voted them down. Because of the massive pub, pub, uh, publicity sure, campaign sure, sure. that was funded by these companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. But what I'm true. saying is, has anybody ever called a talk show who wasn't, you know, one of, a representative of one of these companies? Yes, as a matter of fact, before my show this morning, so I got a call from a gentleman who was on his way to work, and he said, I just wanted to take you to task for your stance on, on labeling GMOs. I said, well... Um, I'm not against GMOs. I'm not against science. All I want to know is that if my food has been altered in such a way as to include genes from other species, I I think I should have the right to know that. And, uh, you know, people can eat that if they wish. I don't care. And and, uh, I I am not one uh, Luddite who wants to get rid of this magical new technology but I, do I gotta. I, excuse me, Michael. Hold that thought. I gotta ask Kyle. Um, the, the people in Hawaii, the, the the Ground Zero people, are they against GMOs, or are they more like Olson? If, if there's going to be GMOs, you better be full disclosure. Well, look. Here's the here's the really interesting thing about the issue of GMO is that it intersects into so many other issues, right? So say you. Say you don't um, hate GMOs, right? So, um, but 
it intersects into the, the Hawaiian people now. The reason they're so against it is that companies like Monsanto and Syngenta are basically dousing these fields with pesticides and chemicals that are a mile away from elementary schools. So you get an elementary school on the west side of Kauai that has then been found to have contaminated water in it. You get um, a lot of really poor, you know, low-income native Hawaiian people um, who are really close to all these testing grounds, and they're getting respiratory problems. Um, you know, th- that kind of thing is what I think really uh, is so interesting with the GMO issue. And, and I- I'm glad, uh, Michael, that, that you brought that up. I think that's a, a great point, and it's something that I- I'm really excited that we're talking about this right now, because like I said, we're um, we're making our next Surfing for Change documentary on this. We're going to Hawaii on Monday, and it's such a big issue that you can only cover so much. And and one of my goals with the documentary is I'm gonna I want to call up um, these agrochemical companies and get interviews with them. If uh, if if they're good open luck to on that one. Yeah. Well, even even if they don't, I'll still record the call of saying hi. I'm Kyle. I'm making the documentary on on GMOs. Right. But but yeah, Michael, back to back to what you're saying. Like it. It intersects on so many levels. Um, and then even, you know, if, if you're into politics, you can't count, count GMOs out of politics because, you know, with this kind of revolving door that these agrochemical companies have with their executives then going over to the FDA well, and then, oh, hey, the, he was the head of the EPA and now he's the head of Monsanto and then back again. That kind of thing, I think, is also really interested in if you're into the more political as, um, well, aspect you, of you, it. If you look at that, who's running the Food and Drug Administration's Office of Food Safety right now and who's responsible for implementing the Food Safety Modernization Act of 2010, Michael Taylor, former vice president of Monsanto. Yeah, yeah, Michael, the, the revolving door of Michael Taylor. There's a great article you should check out on that. Well, Anyhow. People should know this. People should know who's watching out for their food safety. Yeah. Her is essentially the person who talked the Food and Drug Administration into accepting GMOs as as uh, generally recognized as safe with no safety efficacy studies whatsoever. Yeah. None. Yeah. You know the reason I'm also so excited to to make this new Surfing for Change documentary on GMOs and go to Hawaii spe- specifically is that there has actually been a huge amount of success just in the recent weeks. Three weeks ago, Kauai passed a bill um, that basically it was because people took to the streets. Um, agrochemical companies put in a huge amount of money to try and defeat this bill. The bill was to get it so that uh, these companies had to label and disclose what chemicals they're using. Because before they said, oh, no, we want to stay competitive in the market, so we can't disclose the chemicals that we're using to test on the fields. And the people said, hey – that's not good enough because, you know, I'm having respiratory problems, you know, uh, and, and I have no idea what it's coming from without really knowing, um, w- without knowing what's in these chemicals. So they passed that bill on Kauai. Um, a week ago, the Big Island passed a bill saying that there's going to be no GMO uh, testing n- on their island, except for papaya, which is already in, in production. But that was a huge win for the Big Island. Two days ago... What do you mean a huge win for the Big Island? Well, the, the Big Island, um, I mean, they basically said that, that GMO companies aren't allowed to test on our on our grounds, which the Hawaiian So what about people, the papaya? I don't understand what you're the, saying. The, the papaya is kind of a um, an exception to, to GMOs. The papaya is 
a, um, or, I mean, the genetic modification. What, what we were talking about earlier is that most GMO crops um, are either have an herbicide built in them directly so that bugs will eat them and they'll die. Right. Or they have um, a pesticide-resistant gene in them so that the something like Roundup will kill everything except the the corn, right? Right. Papaya, what they did is they genetically modified it to um, basically be disease-resistant, Um for for the export, so that is already happening. But but um, I mean, overwhelmingly, it's 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 corn basically that's being being produced on these islands. And the Hawaiian people are, I mean, they're pissed. It is um, a big heated issue over there. On the 15th on Oahu, they're having a, a huge protest that we're gonna be covering with you know the world's best surfers, Kelly Slater, John John Florence. Dustin Barca are all going to – I don't know if you know any of those names. They're kind of like the, the Michael Jordans of wow. of surfing. But um, but it's really cool, I think, to see how much it is surfers and, um, and mothers, basically, that have been out in the streets overwhelmingly saying that, that these pesticides are, are harming our land and they're harming our health, um, and that's not acceptable. Let's go uh, back to the phones. Uh, Wendy and Ben Loman, thanks for waiting. You're on the air with uh, Kyle and MZ, and Richard's here, too. Oh, well, you've got a wonderful group there. Um, such an important issue. Um, but I, I wanted to get back maybe to the, the bigger issue of, well, GMOs, you know, eventually they are, well, they're causing more uh, chemical use, that getting into the oceans, causing problems there. And uh, Kyle talked about, you know, the power of the documentary. I wanted to mention there was a, an After the Warming by James Burke who did Connections that um, talked about uh, the sailing cycle and how it affected global warming. And when you affect with chemicals all the, you know, the bugs, the, the microscopic uh, sea animals, you can really be you know, changing the planet. Um, that, you know, and, and that's a, a very ocean-centered way of looking at the GMO problem because you know, a lot of these things, you, know, you would have had you know, low-wage low, um, uh, labor going on picking the weeds. You would have had a lot more of that, and this is a, a way of getting around it, and it, it isn't good. GMOs are not necessarily bad, what, what they do with them is. Got it. All right, hey, thanks for, uh, for participating Thank in you. today's Saturday special. There goes Wendy in Ben Loman. Here comes Roy in Los Banos, California. Hey, Roy, you're on KSCO. Yes, uh, there's a very, very important aspect to this that you've touched on but hasn't been emphasized. And it's the TSGM GMO, trans species GMO. That doesn't happen in nature. And when you're putting known uh, insecticides and herbicides into these things, you've got to realize that humans are 90% the same as a banana genetically. And so a lot of the pathways, a lot of the biochemistry is shared with other living things and don't kid yourself that the scientists that work at these GMO places have any idea what their chemicals are doing inside the human body they have no idea at all they yeah. just try a few people see if anybody die. oh they didn't die well and this agent orange is a classic example we don't think it hurts anybody but it's when your one of your uh, speakers said well all uh Food supplies for humans are GMO. What he's talking about over the thousands of years through selection, uh, they've selected for these, uh, and this is natural selection, 
uh, augmented by humans to you know to get a bigger corn plant to get a, a rice plant that, that has bigger grain but this business about putting in foreign genes especially toxic uh, chemical producing genes is is extremely dangerous and it will it'll probably be a long time before you find out what it, what if you ever do what it really does to to other animals to be uh, consuming this stuff. Hey, is this the Roy that I think it is? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard from you in ages. I was starting to worry that well, you died or something, was, you know. No, no, I, I listen, but it's it's hard to get through. You're just too popular nowadays. <laughs> okay. Well, now i got your cell phone. This is great. We can catch up to you when we want to. Okay, Fantastic. well, but you need, to, you need to quit saying GMO because uh, the your other your adversaries are saying, well, everything's GMO, and and from the from the standpoint that somebody along the history of humans had selected artificially selected uh, different forms of genes uh, for the bean plant to make the bean plant bigger, stronger, and everything else, but they haven't gone over to a to a swordfish and taken a gene out of that and put it into the bean plant, and that's where you. Uh, uh, bacteria and things have been tricked into making poisons and then transporting that gene into a, a, a food plant to poison the bugs. Well, we're, to some degree, we are bugs. What a great call. What a great call you have made to the Saturday special, Dr. Oh, Roy right. Thomas, who okay. is a dentist. Yeah, he's not just anybody's fool. He's a dentist. He knows <laughs> well, what he's talking about. Him. Yeah, well, everybody should. And, and the FDA is... is is such a joke uh, because you know you've learned probably by now that uh, uh, money is what runs our government, and all the way through, even in the medical schools, the drug companies have worked their way into the government far enough that the medical schools don't get research grants unless the drug companies want them to. Exactly. It's just, yeah. It's just uh, so you can't trust the people we should trust to look out for us. And and they've proved it many times if you ever look very closely. So, right. Yeah, Roy. Anyway, I think, I think that's a that's a great point. Um, I don't something I learned recently. I don't know if you knew this about the the uh, what's expected to come out this year is the first genetically modified salmon, right on on the market. It's supposed yeah. it's supposed to come out. But the kind of hopeful thing about this is that there's been over six thousand uh, businesses that have already uh, pledged to reject the fish from their stores. The uh, Trader Joe's, um, one of them. They have a ton of ton That's of businesses good. that I think is pretty cool um, to see. Kind of the overwhelming amount of of people resisting. I hate to do this, but the, the alligator is going to get us at the top of the hour. Uh, everybody who's on hold now will get you at the, at the over in the next hour. KSCO Santa Cruz, Linus Monterey, San Jose. It's 11 a.m. Jim Taylor, homecoming. <laughs> For 85-year-old Merrill Newman, after spending the last six weeks a captive of North Korea, the war vet released, arriving a couple of hours ago at San Francisco International Airport. I'm delighted to be home. Uh, I want to thank the Swedish Embassy in Pyongyang and the American Embassy in Beijing for all their help. Newman not commenting on his visit to North Korea 60 years after guiding South Korean operatives during the conflict there. North Korea calls him a war criminal released on humanitarian grounds, they say. More than a week of memorial services coming in South Africa. By far the biggest public event will be that national memorial service at a soccer stadium in Soweto. And then ultimately Nelson Mandela's body will be flown to his ancestral village in Kunu for a private 
family funeral and burial, and that's on the 15th of December. At CBS's Deborah Pata in Johannesburg, President and Mrs. Obama are expected in South Africa next week. Cold, freezing cold from California to West Virginia in the middle Dallas, Texas. Residents are still picking up the pieces after an ice storm that blew through Dallas, froze travel and knocked down trees and power lines. 100,000 people are still in the dark. Many of the highways here look more like skating rinks and are littered with wrecks and jackknife semis. I'm terrified. Oh my gosh. Like, I almost fell going to my car four times. And the ice could remain throughout the weekend with highs not expected to get above freezing until Monday. Joe as CBS News, Dallas. Four homeless people dead of hypothermia in normally balmy San Jose, California, on the Atlantic coast, bracing for stormy weather. Organizers of an Antarctic charity race involving Prince Harry say they're suspending its competitive element due to harsh conditions. They plan to continue the journey to the South Pole. Harry's a member of one of three teams involved. Injured soldiers set off last week on a 200-mile walking with the wounded South Pole Challenge. In his weekly media address, President Obama calling on Congress to extend unemployment benefits for 1.3 million Americans who will otherwise lose those benefits at the end of the year. Congress refuses to act. It won't just hurt families already struggling. It will actually harm our economy. Unemployment insurance is one of the most effective ways there is to boost our economy. The Republican message from Congresswoman Renee Elmers. She says she's hearing from her North Carolina constituents telling her they are suffering under the requirements of the new health care law. And then there's Liz from Sanford. She's a small business owner with only two employees, herself and her husband. Their premiums went up 127% on account of the new law. Federal health officials began quietly urging counselors around the country this week to stop using paper applications to enroll people under the health overhaul because of concerns those applications would not be processed in time. This is CBS News. Hiya, Fred. Hello, Eddie. Parts Plus get you that part you were waiting on? Yeah, called this morning. Well, that was fast. Come on, I'll give you a lift to go pick it up. Well, sure. Just uh, let me go get my hat. Hat? Well, where'd you get that hat? What, are you the fashion police oh, now? Oh, you look like an old man in a hat. Well, there's a reason for that. You wearing that to Parts Plus? Yeah, maybe it'll keep anybody from recognizing me. Sitting here next to you. For the location nearest you, go to PartsPlus.com. Cold winter weather. It makes my skin so dry, itchy, and irritated. Can I get some help, please, for this winter skin of mine? Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing has the strongest non-prescription itch medicine available. Its seven moisturizers help heal skin, so you'll stop itching and start feeling relief fast. Ah, my skin feels like it's been on vacation, even with 10 inches of snow outside. Itch-free, worry-free, Cortisone 10. Use as directed. You have attuned in to KSCO AM 1080 and KOMY 1340, serving Santa Cruz, San Jose, Salinas, Monterey, and Watsonville. Four minutes and 20 seconds after 11 a.m. Today is Saturday, December 7, 2013. This is Aaron Shore with your local King of the Hill traffic and Central Coast weather. Looks like rain has had an effect on traffic signals in two areas along both in the coast and inland here in Santa Cruz at Mount Hermon Road and Highway 9, which is Graham Hill Road. There are traffic signals out also in the Hollister-Gilroy area on 156 San Juan Road at Union Road. 
traffic signals are also out as well. Other than that, roadways seem to be in the clear. Highway 1 and 17, both north and southbound, traveling up and to the limit, as well as all inland highways in and along the northern Monterey Bay Central Coast. Your weather forecast for today, continuing chance of showers throughout the morning, highs around 50, northwest winds 10 to 20 miles per hour. Your motors forecast, northwest winds 20 to 30 knots, wind waves 4 to 7 feet, northwest swell 8 to 10 feet at 8 seconds. 51 degrees at your local KSCO AM 1080 station. Stay tuned for hour number two of the Saturday special next. And now a special promo from KSCO and KOMY. Hi everyone, this is Kay's Whirling. MZ and I are quite proud of the station you're listening to. Quite frequently, I meet people who express their appreciation for KSCO, one of the few remaining independent, locally owned radio voices left in our country. Of course, this is gratifying, but it's very important that you understand and keep in mind that KSCO is made possible by three things. Advertising sales, book, hat, bag, and other KSEO gear sales, and in particular, longevity health product sales. You see, every time somebody in our audience purchases longevity products such as Beyond Tangy Tangerine or the Healthy Start Pack, that person is directly supporting our operation and making it possible for us to continue to serve our community. We feel good about recommending these products because they are of the highest quality and they do work. I know because I take these products every day and I can enthusiastically vouch for their goodness and effectiveness. I first heard Dr. Wallach's message about taking charge of your health through nutrition nearly 20 years ago. I strongly believe in nutritional supplementation over toxic prescription drugs and invite you to help yourself and help KSCO and KOMY by trying and using these products as I do. Visit kscoteam.com or kscohealth.com or call one of your local longevity distributors. For KSCO and KOMY, this is Case Whirling. Oh, hello, darling. I hate to hang up on you, but I'm sorry, baby, but I have to go. It's time for that wonderful record show. I'd love to visit, but you'll have to call back. Well, we have made it through hour number one of the KSCO Saturday special today. And I think with any luck, we're going to make it through hour number two, too. I'm sorry, baby, but I really got to go to KSCO Radio. Bye. A caller named Diana, who was on line one, I think somewhere in the San Lorenzo Valley, hung up. So she must have had to go do something else. But I was so sorry to see her. I hope she'll call back. 
479-1080 is the phone number to call in Area 831. We're talking with Kyle Tierman today uh, from the organization Surfing for Change, website surfingforchange.com or .org. Um, if you want to participate, again, the phone number is 479-1080. That's in Area 831. If you want to shoot us an email, uh, the address is mz at ksco.com. And I'm going to turn the microphone off momentarily so I can clear my damn throat. There. A little bit of silence. Hey, that sounds better. All right. How now, brown cow? Oh, oh, how, how, what did you say? How now? How now, brown cow? How now? <laughs> I haven't heard that expression since I was, like, younger than you. <laughs> What does that mean? I think it got brought back with Anchorman, with Will Ferrell's Anchorman. Oh, okay. Yeah, how now, brown yeah. cow? But what does it mean? I think it's just a way to stretch out the 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 vocal the vocals, right? Before you before you go on the air. It doesn't seem like. I was just jumping around oh, before, before we went on air. I was just yeah. jumping around doing jumping jacks in the studio, and trying to. I, I, you have taught me something. I'm going to start doing that too. You know, someone actually gave me really good advice when I was when I was younger. They said if you're ever doing an interview, um, like for a job or anything, it's you're statistically more likely to succeed if you're standing up. And I know that right now we're sitting down, but actually more energy gets projected uh, from from your center and your voice if you're standing up. Maybe that's why Michael Olson, who does the program right before the Saturday special here on your favorite radio station, does his program standing up. What do you think, Aaron? You think that might be the reason? Yeah, probably, right? Yeah, he's nodding his head. Well, if okay. I if I ever get a get a program on here, I'll probably just go on like an Indo board, so I'm just balancing the whole radio <laughs> show. All right. Okay. Uh, ten minutes after eleven on your favorite. No, no, it's now eleven minutes after eleven on KSCOAM 1080, and it's not Diana, it's Dana, or at least maybe it was Dana before, and it's Di- I don't know, but here let's put uh, whoever it is back on. Dana. Oh, it's Dana. Yes, sir. Were you were you on hold before? Uh, yes, I was. So I I'm sorry I called you Diane. I didn't mean to do that. No, that's okay. But that's happens, what it said. Uh, there was a there was an I between the D and the A. So oh, it happens all the time. There's Diana, Dana, Dana. I love the mistakes that that yeah, our exactly. people make They're here. We have the finest technical difficulties and the best mistakes of any radio station anywhere. We're very proud of it. We really are. Vintage. Vintage. <laughs> Anyhow, well, Dana, what's up? Thank you. I, well, I want to say thank you for having this program. I honestly think GMOs are one of the most important topics of the modern world. And uh, I was, uh, I'm, I've been raised uh, a, a liberal left-wing suburbanite, and I've followed uh, faithfully all the rational left-wing causes. I was against the Vietnam War. And as a, as a natural consequence, I've always thought GMOs were another product of the military-industrial-scientific complex and not to be trusted. But recently, some of my heroes have changed their minds, including Mark Linus and Stuart Brand. I, when I, in my teenage and young adult years, I read many things from Stuart Brand, who really helped form. He was one of the key players in the early environmental movement. And he lives near us over in Sausalito. Really? I didn't know Stuart was so close. Absolutely. I'll be darned. We need to get him on the Saturday special. Yes, sir. Yes, you do. And uh, If I can help, I don't know the guy. But I, I, I picked him up from the airport once 
in um, San Bernardino, California, to go really? to, to yeah to to visit the um, the uh, uh, Steve Wozniak's um, um, it was the the US Festival US Festival one I think it was in 1982. Oh, he must have been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, so he wrote a book basically that a large part of this was about GMO, and he said, guess what? There are a lot of surprises about GMO. And and you can go down the the, the list of complaints, which are which are not you know these are real complaints. Uh, this is unnatural. Uh, that's a that's a major complaint, and therefore, if it's unnatural, there you know the burden of proof is to show that it's okay, not the other way around, right? So it turns out that uh, all kinds of creatures in the world transfer genes horizontally. Bacteria exchange genes with other bacteria, even the bacteria that reproduce asexually. This has been known for um, many, many decades. Bacteria exchange genes with plants. Plants exchange genes with other plants, it turns out. And the mechanisms are, are still now being figured out. It turns out that transfer of genes between species happens all the time. And an earlier caller pointed out that we think of uh, a beetle as being very foreign from humans or a banana as being foreign from humans. And in a surprising, a surprising percentage of the genes are exactly the same genes. Once nature invents a gene to produce a protein, it's conserved. So a lot of proteins in life are the same proteins across different species, and the genes to produce them are the same genes. So then, okay, so... Um, People are talking about Roundup and all and pouring insecticides all over plants. Uh, actually, Roundup is a herbicide that kills other plants. And I, I always thought Roundup sounds like Agent Orange, and we all know how horrendous Agent Orange was. So then Stuart Brand explained Roundup is a chemical, a molecule that is the very, it's a, it's a fairly simple molecule that attacks something called a chloroplast. It disrupts a specific pathway inside of a chloroplast. And so I thought, well, what's a chloroplast? I don't want my chloroplast disrupted. Well, it turns out that chloroplasts are what plants use to convert sunlight into carbohydrates. And animals do not have chloroplasts. We have mitochondria. The chloroplast, it turns out, was a one billions of years ago, a free-living separate bacteria. Dana, my God, where did you learn all this stuff? Well, it's a bunch of, there's a bunch of places, but I would say Stuart Brand's book, A Whole Earth Discipline, is right, a wonderful but let's, place. Let's look. see if we can get him on. And I, and I don't mean to cut you off, but we got so many uh, people here. I want to give them yes, an opportunity do. to get on. Yeah, thank you thank so you, much for, do you want to, you want to? Sure, yeah, I, I think those are, those are all, uh, great points. I'm glad you, you brought them up. I would say that kind of just looking, though, at the the big picture of GMO, right? The big picture issue that I have with it is that we effectively allow four or five multinational corporations to control our food supply. So whether or not they are doing this by, you know, whether or not we think it's natural or unnatural, the there's just such a lack of diversity and there's just such a, a complete kind of takeover of all of our food and the thing that just annoys me about it is that when you get uh the pr companies from these 
these agrochemical companies, they talk about themselves like they're humanitarian companies. They're like, oh, we're saving the world and you're an elitist if you don't like GMOs. It's like, no, come on, you guys are, are here for profit. You've always been here for profit. You're a, a chemical company that got into food. So that is what kind of annoys me is that they're like, we're saving the world. Like Monsanto, saving the world. One, you know, codfish strawberry at a time. <laughs> Dana, thanks for calling the Saturday special. Yeah, th- yeah thanks again. I, th- I thought those were all great points. That opens up a line at 479-1080. In fact, there's exactly one line open right now because everything else is jammed. No, there isn't even that line. we got a popular program going here, uh, Kyle. I'm glad we hit, we hit, yeah. a, we hit a nerve. And, yeah. um, and, and again, you know, uh, like I said, we are taking off to go to Hawaii on Monday to make our next documentary in the Surfing for Change series. So please... Uh, go on to Facebook, type in Surfing for Change, t- write in a comment of what you think the most important aspects of this issue are to cover. Like I said, we're going to try and interview oh, interview idea. people from, from yeah. both sides, and we want your feedback because this is a it's an exciting time when we're you know we're storyboarding the documentary, um, and and we want your input. So go to to Surfing for Change on Facebook, uh, let us know, and and stay involved with the conversation because we're going to be. Um, giving you live updates from Hawaii as we're doing these interviews um, and, and telling the story. Lee and Spreckles, you're on KSCO. Um, Kyle, I, I don't know how long ago you started this uh, movement, and I think it's exciting, but we just saw $41 million to knock down and shut down GMO in California. Monsanto, a decade ago, uh, their people in their cafeteria said, we're not eating this stuff. And it's it, we're seeing bees dropping dead in, 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 in big lots up in, in Oregon. And um, the bottom line today, I know this is going to sound different, but you've got to look at it really seriously, closely, and that's um, Google, because Google ran the Bilderbergers meeting in, in this year in England, and they, if you've allowed them to be your search engine, don't do like Erin Brockovich. She trusted them, and anybody that would come to them, they could read their minds. Uh, they could read the people. They could read the, the. They could prepare to deal with the people, and the, and they would know what their their next move would be. And if you go to uh, Dr. Catherine Albrecht, uh, KOA.com, I think it is, and, and and find out about StartPage. They encrypt everything that you, if you use a search engine, whatever you do here, do not allow them to have the cookie jar because you're going to be a statistic just like this $41 million that that the energy that went in to try to stop, just to label, that, that, so we know whether we're eating something that God made or man, uh, what, what is this, Dr. Jekyll has created. Right, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a great TED Talk, actually, on uh, Google search engines that, I don't know if you've, if you've seen it, but how, uh, how Google tailors their search engines to what kind of person they think you are. It's not, I mean, I I'm, I'm, haven't fully formed my opinion on, on how that, how I feel about that, but it's definitely, um, I think it's interesting. You should check out that TED Talk. Please do this. Just connect with Dr. Catherine Albrecht. She's a Harvard graduate, and believe me, she knows what they've done and what they are doing. That's good advice, actually. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. I mean, and Michael, Michael started the whole thing when he 
said one day, he said, there's a book by Scott Cleland, Why You Can't Trust Google, Inc. And I bought it, and then I loaned it to a friend, and then the company collapsed, and I haven't got another one. Are you I talking just, about me, Michael, or the other Michael? Michael MZ. Okay. Said, uh, yeah, we had that program, that Saturday special, is, 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 is Google evil or not <laughs> oh they, they they are and one other thing i need yeah. to say you you take this nsa data bank they're sucking a million and a half gallons of water i don't know whether it's a week or a day out of the colorado river um uh watershed and and, and i mean these people do will do anything to 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 have their agenda jammed down our throat and, and and you you got to realize you're you're fighting the globalists, not just Monsanto. The globalists, you got to go to know Alex Jones because Alex will he he will he he will connect some of your dots. Uh, I'm serious. I talked I, with Kyle earlier, um, you know, uh, the other day on the telephone when I first met him uh, on the and and I he told me he listens to Alex occasionally, so. I'm, I, 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 the, the best way that I learn issues just when I go about learning an issue is I look for people who debate. People who are both, who are smart on both sides of the issue and I think that that's a lot of times how I can form my opinions is through two people debating themselves, right. d- debating each other. So I'll listen to, to Alex, I'll listen to Rush, I'll listen to oh, Bill Maher. I'm, I'm, I'm all I, I, over the board, man. I'll look at uh, you. Well, you got to love this side. guy because he's he's, he's open minded. He just he just seeking to get well, all the data. Well, I, I think that that's actually a big thing with our generation and our. I mean, I'm I'm 23, and just within my friend group, I have a pretty engaged group of of friends. You know, s- servers aren't as stupid as a lot of people think they are. Um, <laughs> but I think that we are are we aren't as polarized to political. Party is. I think that we um, see, you know, just for example, like an issue like GMOs. These companies aren't necessarily; they don't fit into a political box. Like what you said, um, you know, earlier in the show, is that the issue of GMOs. It's not. Um, it's not necessarily a political issue. And I think that. Well, 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 that's, can I, go Kyle? I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I just say this to you: Alex Jones backs everything up with data. And when when you throw at him questions like, are the is 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 um, Monsanto anyway connected to the Bilderbergers to these globalists? When you find out the power of money, I mean, when you hear Pastor Lindsey Williams showing that they covered up oil up in Alaska for 35 years, and, yeah. and how BP Petroleum, I mean, they're in they're gripping anything that's in our life. Whether it's energy, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, pharmaceuticals, they're, they're, I, I don't I don't use pharmaceuticals. I've never used them in my life, and I thank God I don't because, they, like MZ brought Dr. Wallach into the picture. He, we're talking about the elements of life that God put here that we need in our body, and and Mike's love, his mom, he, she's a, a, a witness to how this stuff really works, and 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 you know what. I'm, I, I, I was salvaging a 45-foot catch on the Point Pinus over here in 69, and, and, a, and a shark took a chunk out of a guy's surfboard. And I'll tell you what, surfers are, are they got their feet on the, on, not on the ground, but on the water. And, and you're, we, we want to exhort you, we want to see you a winner, 
and 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 you might even hook up with Erin Brockovich and see what her opinion of Google is now after about five years. I oh my I God, Lee, thanks. you're giving you're overloading us. Thanks Anyhow. for your passion. Yeah, it's very Thank passionate. You. Yeah, thanks Thank for you so much. In. Let's go now to uh, Mike in Santa Cruz. Thanks for waiting thirty two and a half minutes, Mike. You're on the air. Hey, hi, hi, Kyle. Hey, thanks for calling in. Yeah, hey, um, I went over, I moved over to Hawaii in 2011 to, uh, work on a form of agriculture called aquaponics. Now, what island? And, uh, the big island. Big island. On the Hamakua yeah. coast. Mm -hmm. But, uh, while we were over there, Monsanto was doing, uh, radio campaigns for, uh, their presence over in Maui and trying to establish, you know, a, a stronger foothold over there on the islands and how much they, uh, are, uh, you know, of asset to the Hawaiian people. Now, with the people that I was interacting with in the agriculture over there, there was real concerns about, um, in some of their organic farming, how they, they weren't able to continue to grow some of the, uh, agriculture that they were growing before because of a change that has seemed to take place in, uh, the soil composition. And my question to you, Kyle, is do you see with the concern and your awareness of uh, genetically modified seeds from corporations such as Monsanto, do you also see a, a possible correlation with the aerial, uh, aerial geoengineering uh, that, uh, you know, uh, some people don't even believe that that's, that's real geoengineering. Yeah, well, I, I, what I do know about about the aerial geoengineering geo is that Monsanto came out with a um, an aluminum resistant seed. I'm sure you know a little bit about that. Um, the, yes, yes. So I know I know a bit about that, um, and I know that a lot of the people and and it's geoengineering isn't an issue that I'm the most educated about. And it's actually mm -hmm. it's interesting too because some of the people who I'm going to interview um, on Hawaii, uh, Dustin Bar. Do you know who who that is? He's the who? he's like Dustin Barca. He's one of the main pro surfers who's uh -huh. who's outspoken about the GMO issue. He's also very outspoken okay. about the ge geoengineering issue. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I know that I know the aluminum resistant seed um, fact that they they're coming out with a, a GMO seed that's that's uh, resistant to the the spraying of, of aluminum. Um, I don't know too much too much more. Than that, but I think that it's a big issue, and I I've found that just a lot of issues across the board that tend to get kind of swept under the rug, and 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 uh, I mean we'll call it what what people call it is is a conspiracy theory, right? You call that, uh -huh. but but I think that it's it's really important to look at those issues closer and not just kind of uh, like scoff at them. Um, so I know right. I know that much, and I, I'm glad that you're that you're talking about it in. A, in an intelligent way, you know, I think that that's yeah, that, yeah, that's well, re that's really what it's all about, right? It's like how can we bring uh, these these issues to light and and not freak out like our hairs on fire, which is uh, which which in a lot of ways like it's understandable if you're if you're freaking out about that four or five corporations are controlling our food supply, it's like hey, that's something to freak out about a lot more than the that the waves have been flat for the last month, you know, but but I think that lots of times it turns people off when you're like sure. and, and and you know, Alex Jones like you guys were talking about, like I think that he has he has some great stuff to say, but sometimes I just go like, okay, I got to turn him off, man. It's a little too like they're making over the <laughs> but, but yeah, but I but what I was coming back to is is I appreciate you talking about the issue uh in such a in such a grounded way. Well, I, I, I want I want to keep it grounded for for the sake of conversation. I, I just you know I can see a correlation with coil uh, the soil change composition 
you know, what, turning from a natural uh, acidity to a alkaline in the interim that people wouldn't be able to uh, continue growing what they grow to stay, uh, you know, make a livelihood. We have to make a, a whole topic of a program this. Anyhow, Mike, uh, thanks okay. for calling. Yeah, thank Curtin, you. in Scotts Valley, uh, you've been waiting 32 or 33 minutes or something, but you're on now. And I've been uh, happily waiting. Oh, good. Well, welcome, welcome to KSEO. Program. Now and you're uh, more than a listener. You're content. Yeah. No, I, I this is this station is the reason um, it's so much better than everything else out there because it just shows the change. And, Kyle, I went to your website yesterday after I heard the promo for the Saturday special. And, uh, Thank you. I'm a surfer. And I've been surfing for, well, I'm 55, but I've been surfing all my life and surfed in Costa Rica back in the 70s and stuff. But anyway, here's my question. I'm, is, you, is your age group, are they getting that things are totally different than they've been told? And, I mean, I'm just curious from your perspective because, you know, it's like this, Society has sold you guys on a career path, like you got to do this, this, and this. But for a lot of your age group, you come out of college, there is no job. And you're $30,000 in debt from student yeah. loans, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I, th- I think that's a good question. So the, so the question is, is my most of my people my age kind of awake to what's really going on? Is that right? Absolutely. Ab- because let me say this, too. When I watched that documentary – on your website, and I saw that they're trying to, you know, uh, by Uluwatu, they're trying to help clean up uh, the systems and, and go, hey, let's fix this so everybody can jo- enjoy it and meld con- conservation. I don't want to say environmentalism because it's... It's a buzzword, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's attorneys, you know, suing everybody to stop everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thanks for checking out the our last movie, the Surfing for Change Indonesia video. Um, I think that it's – I would say that, yes, a lot of people my age are waking up to what's really going on. Um, yes, I think they're interesting conversations that more and more people are getting engaged in. I mean, I was out at um, having a, a beer at, at Suda up the street last night with a bunch of friends, and we were talking about all this kind of stuff because I told them I was going to be on the radio, and then we were um, – we definitely get engaged in this kind of stuff. I think that what it really comes down to, whether you're talking about, you know, GMOs, you know, trash epidemic in Indonesia or making French toast, it's, it's just about framing the conversation. It's like, how are you going to frame it in a way where it's inviting, where you are talking about it from a solutions point of view? Um, and you can engage people in it because I don't think that people are lazy. A lot of people think, oh, why aren't people engaged? It's because they're lazy. I think it's because we're tired. You go wor- and work. And what can you do? Well, now yeah, you, you, there's a lot you can do you, with, with this new media. Exactly. I was going to say, you, you probably don't watch much television. Am I right? Yeah. You, you watch YouTube. I watch, that's, yeah, that's I, watch, I, watch I don't even watch television yeah. anymore. I'm probably going to get rid of my Dish Network, uh, um, you know, subscription or whatever you call it. Right. Because I never watch TV. Who, there's yeah. nothing worthwhile on yeah. so, so just Lots to, of worthwhile to, on YouTube. To finish off that point, it, it's that I think that uh, framing these conversations in what is it that you can do, 
what is it that people like you are doing to be part of the solution, that actually gives people energy. It's not draining because a lot of times it's like you work all day. You don't necessarily want to go home and watch a documentary that's going to be a bummer because you're going to, it's like, it's like kicking you while you're down. So I think that a big thing that's happening right now is that a lot of people my age who are engaged in this stuff are framing the same issues that, that, our parents have been working on for generations. They're framing the conversation in, in a new way. Okay, um, so let me throw this out to you because, and I'm going to throw in a little Rebecca DeCosta. Not uh, Rebecca DeCosta. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, she's Rebecca DeCosta. Yeah, you're right. DeCosta. Okay, because she talks about that the systems have been so complex that it it's hard to know how to fix it. And, I almost think that what I think is going to happen, and I'm, that's why I'm throwing this out there, is your generation is just going to come up with a new transparent system that's understandable. And what I mean is, for example, everyone when we send to Washington, D.C. gets screwed up in the head. They don't know how to affect change because the system is not easy to change out there. So like with Wall Street in Washington where all the corruption is, I almost think like your generation is going to go, we're going to bypass that completely because it doesn't work and, you know, it can't be controlled, so we're going to want transparency because you guys are getting pushed this giant debt from our generation. And, uh, you know, I, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are regarding that. All right, well um – can, sure. Can you tell us real quick because we, I want to get to Sebastian and Santa Cruz yeah. who's been waiting. Oh, oh, that, that's all I got to say. And you can answer it or you don't have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. No, I think that's a it's a great question. I think that um, speaking from personal experience, not all of my friends are interested in media. However, some of them, you know, I've one of my my best friends, uh, Shane, is he's a tech wizard and he's building new apps and new websites and new ways for people to to communicate and get engaged. And I think that it's it really comes down to what it is that you're passionate about and how is it that you're going to affect this kind of change because I don't think that there's just one way. I think that there you can fit into a number of ways to affect change. If you're not the guy who wants to stand outside Whole Foods with a petition, like you don't need to be that guy or that girl. You know, you, you can do whatever it is that you love and then incorporate world change within Name it. Name of the game. Name of the game. Do, do, spend your time doing what you're passionate about. All right, Kurt in Scotts Valley, thanks for a great call. Here's Sebastian in Santa Cruz. You're on the air. You got to speak up. Okay, yeah, much better, much better. Uh, hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yeah, I was just wondering what um, his beliefs are on the, the trash buildup at uh, Burning Man. The trash buildup at Burning Man, that is a good, uh, that is a great question because I've this is my eighth year to Burning Man this year. My, really? my, yeah, my whole family actually. We uh, I go out with my dad, my brother, we, our friends. We build uh, we built this art car uh, called the Bounce Mobile. Um, that it's pretty fun. We, we, we like transformed an F two fifty utility truck. Yeah, I'm it, jealous of you guys. I haven't even gone once. It's fun. It's wow. fun. I um the trash buildup at Burning Man. Um, you know, I'm not too educated on. It. I know that there are there is a huge amount of trash. Obviously that that. Uh, gets brought up at Burning Man. I would say that it's probably not as I, I wouldn't um, 
point out Burning Man as the worst festival because at least at Burning Man you need to take out all of your trash. Everything that you bring in you need to take out. So right, there, right, so right. there is a, a sense of kind of um, self-discipline, and and I I would say that it actually like for example if you're going to bring cereal into Burning Man you take the cereal bag out of the cereal box and you well, leave the, I, you leave the I, box. I can say that. To- yeah, totally. That's, so, that's totally true. And um, well, my question is to you is. Um, What's your uh, average uh, output? Of, like, we all take our trash and we we pack it and we we take it out. And I was wondering if you have an estimate of how much. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's a little, it's difficult for me to say exactly the amount of trash bags because we have a big camp and we have a lot of people that kind of have put into community bags, but it's something that I will definitely admit is something that I can work on in my life, both at, at festivals and at home. Um, you know, I think that, that composting, it was something like, uh, half of all the, the trash that goes into the, the landfills right now could be composted. It's like half of it is, is food waste. I think I saw a statistic about that recently. It's, it's crazy. So I think that definitely festivals, you know, there, they are, there are a lot of trash and there are new festivals like, um, uh, what's, what's the one in San Francisco, uh, Kurt, the one that, uh, outside lands? Outside lands, right? Outside lands has a bunch of really cool, cool stuff going on with, um, with composting and with reducing trash. So I think that that's all great, but then I also think that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, but, and then. That they, that they, that they look forward to, uh, taking trash that people have, like, come, Composted and, and looking forward to depo- depositing into positive ways of uh, totally and I can recycle and and I think that the, the exciting thing there too is that sometimes you can adopt habits uh, that then you take back home. Um, you know, like one of my my housemates started a, a compost in our backyard, and um, unfortunately, I'll, I'll admit I kind of let it let it go to hell. But I'm trying to figure it out figure it out getting it back on track. <laughs> Um, but I think that those are, I mean, talk about just taking, um, taking an initiative for just zone zero of your life. I think that a lot of times, you know, on this show, we've been talking about these big global issues, but, but just affecting change on a daily basis in your own, with your own habits. So, um, so I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. First, first, Sebastian, uh, may I ask you a personal question? Well, well, well me first, me first. Um, right. I was, I, I heard there was a, a composting, um, organization called Creepy Fingers, and I was wondering if, um, if that had followed through and, uh, made an organization. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. You don't know about that. Okay. Well, um. Now may yeah, I ask anyway, my personal well, question of you, Sebastian, in Santa Cruz? Yes. How old are you? Um, I am 35. How long have you been listening to KSCO? Um, about 30 years. <laughs> Jeez. You have your youngest listener. Really, not really. No, Do you have the tattoo? No, 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 <laughs> uh, I wish, I wish. No, that's actually about like five years. And how did you discover us? Um, about a friend. A friend, Morgan. Morgan told me about okay. this, uh, this awesome radio show, so I, I wanted to call in and be a part of it. Oh, well, the radio show, but I'm talking about the radio station. You say you've been listening about five years? Yeah. Okay, and you, how did you discover the station? If a friend told uh, you about I, this show, that's not the way you got to the, the station. Huh? Yeah, no, no, it was my friend Morgan. Okay, all right. Well, thanks for calling the Saturday special. 
Uh, oh, thank you. Okay, there's Sebastian in Santa Cruz. Here's Roy. It says in Casa de Fruta, but I'll bet you're probably back in Carmel by now. Am I right? Roy? Hello. Well, it says, uh, yeah, here, I'm going to put it on hold here, and then I'll I'll put it again. I'll, we'll put it on again. Roy, are you there? It's funny. It shows that Roy is there. And he hasn't dropped off. I'll put him on hold again. We'll Did go you back press to the mute button on your phone, sir? Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Yeah, maybe that happened. That happens sometimes. So we'll go to Troy in Santa Cruz, who always has some good information for us, don't you, Troy? I do. Greetings, gentlemen. Hello, Kyle. Welcome to the to the KSCO. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, um, I, I was just I just marched in the Christmas Day parade uh, in Santa Cruz. Wait a minute! Uh, it's not Christmas Day. How can you have done that? Oh, it was a Christmas parade. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, the Santa Cruz High School band was there, Michael, and they were quite good from your old alma mater. And I, I wonder I, if I it's was, some of the same people who were held back. Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. Well, I got that. No, Dave Michaels wasn't in that group. But uh, uh, anyway, GML Free Santa Cruz, they're on Facebook, and um, Ethan Behrman is active in our group. He wasn't able to be there today because he had a commitment with his family. And... Um, Kyle, what else are you doing to be active on this as far as uh, uh, what are you putting out there in the media as far as group or On GMO specifically? Yeah. Um, Well, like I said, we are – this is kind of a new new issue that that Surfing for Change is tackling. I'm going to Hawaii on Monday to – to cover this issue, so so to be perfectly honest, this is one that I'm more or less new to. I mean, I've been involved in it, but I'm not as involved or um, as as other issues, you know, because with with Surfing for Change, the, the series we cover all different kinds of issues. So um, I mean, you are probably have been more active in our community than I have on the issue. But um, like I said, I I really try and highlight um, and shed light on organizations that are doing really good work um, and deserve to be highlighted. Um, so I'm happy. I, I, I was familiar with GMO Santa Cruz, but I haven't um, participated in any of their stuff, but I'm, I'm happy that you brought them up because I love uh, love highlighting local groups in our town. Excellent. And uh, 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 MZ, uh, last week I left you some organic non-GMO turkey and rice soup in the KSCO fridge. So It never I- got to me. I wonder if it's still there, and if it's still there, if it's still good. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, I pressure canned it. Heads are going to roll around here, Troy, because they never, I never got that, that never got through to me. (laughs) Heads are going to roll. All right, thank you. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Uh, Who got the most tipsiest last night at the KSCO Christmas party? Probably, well, I was probably up there. Yeah. Yeah, because I because I I actually did some karaoke and that people tell me wasn't bad. At least the first one, right? MZ was the most tipsiest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for taking my call. All right, yeah, thank, thank you. you, thank you, Troy. We're gonna try Roy and Casa de Fruta one more time. Yeah, I'm here. You are there. Where were you before? Two other well, times. My ear pressed the uh, turn off the mic button. Oh. I was having a hard time hearing what was going on. I've done that before. That's why I came. That's why I thought not, that. <laughs> not good. But I wanted to make a quick comment about the uh, since the funguses and the uh, bacteria do it, it must be okay. Uh, you know, Darwin has uh, been around, and everything has to be tested in nature. And on occasion, of something bad comes out, we and uh, everything dies. There's mass extinction, so you don't want to. 
just because bacteria do it, it'll be okay. Yeah, I think that's it's that's an interesting point for sure. And you know, a lot of the more outspoken activists on Hawaii, um, their theory about why a lot of these these companies go out there to do their testing is that if something really bad happens, it's contained. It's only Hawaii. It's a, hey, it's only Hawaii, right? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I know that the reason they say they're out there is because there are three growing seasons and. Uh, it's easy to, to test things, but I could uh, see with a lot of these companies' track records that that would be the case for why they originally went out there. It's just one island. They've got a bunch of more cases of problems. But, you know, in uh, in nature, things are tested all the time. And, and believe it or not, most genetic experiments in nature don't survive. Yeah. They just don't work. Biodiversity. You know, yeah, and, but we have these guys that, are, that have a particular toxic agenda and agenda to do something <laughs> so they can make money. And you're, it's, there's more fire when it's a toxic thing rather than a, a body color or a hair color or a, a beetle back color. If it's something that uh, uh, can terminate or significantly change the biological system, uh, it's dangerous. Excellent points. Excellent points. Okay, that's Roy, it. it's you. it's great. You know, we didn't we don't hear from you for years and then twice on the same program. Well, I'm that's driving great. And I was breaking, but I pulled over. So I'm no, I'm talking about the long time that you we haven't oh, heard from oh, you, well. and then twice well, I, on the I, same I, program. I, was, I talked to Mister Logic a couple times. So. Oh, okay. I love what regular guests you have you have calling in. I wasn't. Well, we, I wasn't we aware love of our regular callers, and we love our new callers too. I dig it. I think yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey Roy, thanks. Take care. Now All you're right. you're probably back in Carmel now because no, oh, no, I'm still San Juan Batista. Oh, oh, you must have stopped. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. All thank right. thank you for calling four seven nine ten eighty. Before we get much further into the program, I want to I want to thank our only sponsor of the KSCO Saturday Special. That would be the California Grill Restaurant. With what? I'll just turn off the phone, and then we'll. Uh, Oh, because Roy was still uh, still on here. That's probably why. Uh, yeah, the California Grill Restaurant and the Freedom Shopping Center, corner of Freedom Boulevards and Air- Airport Boulevards. No, corner of Freedom and Airport Boulevards. I got it right. Um, and uh, Lakeside Organics, uh, wonderful uh, organic farming operation, is the same uh, owner of the California Grill Restaurant. I mean, it's talk about a symbiotic relationship. Holy Christmas, the food is great. It's wonderful. I like to go there um, as much as possible, mostly on Saturdays. I might even bop on out there today to get something, a delicious lunch. But they're open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, I think, seven days a week here. So um, make sure when you go in to the California Grill that you thank them for being the only sponsor of the KSCO Saturday Special with MZ. <clears throat> Now, um, Nick in Royal Oaks, you have been waiting a long time. Thank you for taking my call. You're I welcome. So Thank many, you. I faced so many head-on collisions out here. I'm wondering, am I the only one who's ever slowed down to a butterfly on the windshield? Because somebody's not receptive to somebody who's slowed down. It's always one, one percent of the person. I just came, and uh, I just came from the uh, Phoenix Basin. Hello. Yeah, we're listening. Where the report is, um, 
the monarch butterfly population over there is on the brink of collapse and looking at extinction because herbicide use between Canada and Mexico has diminished their food supply. Interesting. Well, yeah, but that was not, very interesting. Not good. Have you heard well, that? What's before, the Kyle? report here in Santa Cruz? Because they're not even talking about water shortage. I don't know. Um, I'm not educated specifically on the, the monarch. Butterfly count? Yeah, I'm not, but. Um, it's definitely. I, I mean, I grew up right on Lighthouse Avenue, where uh, every day I would go run across Lighthouse Field yeah. to go to go surf the lane. It was it was always pretty wild. Sometimes you just see entire branches that were just orange and black. It's pretty I mean, it's pretty incredible. When you mess with metamorphosis, I, I'm sh- I wonder if that how much that has to do with the um, the colony collapse disorder with the bees. I don't know. Have you ever seen the documentary? Um, the disappearing of the bees. That was a pretty wild one for me to see. Who did that? Um, who did because, that? I forget uh, when, who directed that one. Can you one. get it on YouTube? I'd rather yeah. have the experience of if they hit one on the windshield than none at all. And it's like the force is so that they don't even want you to experience it. No slowing down at all. Whoa. So right. um, um, I, I'm fine. I, I, I drove by a woman in an empty field in, in Phoenix, and, and she was just spraying something all over. You got a woman doing that. It, it, you got to you got to take notice. You remember um uh Jay Moriarty's uh a widower, Kim? Yeah. Yeah. She's a very conscious person and when after her she's been hit head on twice. I've had to escape from between San Miguel Canyon Road and Beach Road, I mean, it's just like somebody's programmed to be at me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad the monarchs are still around. Yeah, but in the Midwest, it's a serious subject, so that goes to Mexico, so that's a topic to bring to notice, too. Because. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Nick. Thanks uh, for calling appreciate in. it. Um, we have a um, an email. We have Tier and Santa Cruz coming up next, but let me read this email to, it says, to Kyle. Great guest. Great to hear a young person that has pulled back the curtain. Bravo to Kyle for his maturity and clear thinking through the depth of the manure, in quotes, that is piled around us all. (laughs) He is young enough and unencumbered to devote great energy in exposing and bringing forward issues that could have simple solutions if self-serving government bureaucrats and those connected to them would just get out of our lives, focus on their true purpose, uh, which is very little. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for coming on today and giving us old folks real hope. And that's signed Marlene. All righty. Uh, well, that, that, that's nice. Thanks for stroking my ego. Right? Uh, up, uplist, <laughs> uplifting. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Now, this was sent by uh, my good friend uh, Andrea. Uh, mucho gusto at andreasharp.com. Hi, Michael. I tuned in today. Anyway, is <clears throat> grafting GMO our pluots GMO? Nectarines? What do you think? No. Okay. That is different. Okay. Also, doesn't it seem like sometimes vegetables and fruits look a little too perfect? Even the stuff with organic labels? It used to have spots and deformities and be in different shapes. Now a lot of stuff looks factory made. And where did uh, little sweet tomatoes that look like grapes suddenly come from? Anyhow, you probably don't know any of that stuff. Or do you? Um, I don't know. Collagen, Botox injections. <laughs> but, but, I, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I know that 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 uh, part of genetically modified foods is uh, for the look, right? To right. to make them big and perfect looking. Um, 
Do you ever see that? Uh, this is kind of on a, on a different vein, but you ever see the pictorial that was going around on Facebook where it was a, um, a McDonald's Happy Meal burger? And it was McDonald's Happy Meal Burger after one day photo of it. And then right next to it, McDonald's Happy Meal Burger after one year. And it looked the exact same. I, yeah, I did see that. There was it no was, yeah. mold on it or yeah. anything. It was just it was yeah. creepy. Well, it would be nice to know. Well, you know, I got to think about that. Right. When I saw it, I I, I had conflicting um, uh, reaction. Conflict because on the one hand, I had your exact reaction. On the other hand, I said... Well, that's pretty cool, you know, because I'm pretty sloppy and don't, you know, and, and don't eat my food as quickly as I should. And for it not to spoil over an extended period of time so that it's poisonous if I consume it might not be a bad thing. In fact, it could be a good thing. So anyhow, it's all, all according to the way you look at it. Your picture tells K- a thousand words, right? The KSCO Saturday special. We're in the final um, seven minutes now. Um, let's see. A- Andrea, uh, said something. I guess she heard me coughing in the background. Apple cider vinegar for coughs helps a lot. That's the second time someone said that to me this week. Did you know that apple cider vinegar for coughs helps a lot? I did know that actually. I've, uh, um, I do a lot of public speaking at schools and universities around the country, and I've been sick before. Yeah. And you fly over to to the East Coast to give a talk, and it's obviously you're talking for two hours straight. And it's not just like a radio show where you can kind of just cruise. It's like you gotta get your highs and your lows and your pauses yeah. and all that stuff. So you're really using your voice a lot. And um, my big sister Ariel uh, is Ariel Tierman is a singer around town, and she. Um, was telling me all about techniques for for voice and vocals. There's also a product called Singer Savior. I'm I'm not connected to them at all. I'm just a, it's okay I'm if just you a were. fan. It's okay um, if you were. It's but fine. it's a spray that helps a lot. That you kind of uh, that you you breathe in and that helps a lot before if you need to to talk for extended periods of time. And you know, and you know a really interesting thing is like a lot of uh of musicians know about this. Like like uh, punk rock metal. Musicians are the best at at speaking from their their low diaphragm because a lot of that then you can talk um, more from your stomach than your throat and your your vocals don't don't burst uh, after screaming for a little bit. You're gonna have to teach me some of this stuff because I could use I can definitely use. I'm still the, learning about it, but it's basically yeah. you, you you tuck in you kind of flex your stomach basically when you when you talk. And and it's kind of like a it's a lot about posture. I'm still learning. I'm not. I'm definitely no no expert. But but musicians are really good at, at that kind of thing. And then then they have the whole thing where they can you can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth at the same time. Impossible. It's, it, no, no, it's not impossible. People do it. The, the, this guy Xavier Rudd, uh, who's uh, he he plays the didgeridoo. And when you play the didgeridoo, you know the the Australian yeah. that yeah. one that you. Um, you learn how to um, to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth at the same time. Wild. Play your didgeridoo. Blue. Play your didgeridoo. Am I showing my age now? You probably wouldn't know that song from 1964. Rolf Harris, Timey Kangaroo Down. Good year, 1964. Yeah. My, um, I was born in 1990. I remember <laughs> that 1964 is <laughs> a great No, listen. It, it, it's possible that you would have. Because we have people who who were born like thirty or forty years after you know uh, you know a, a song was popular, 
who know the songs here because of their folks. Well, you know what it is. A, it, a, a lot of it now, you know, we have this electronic music with my generation. We just create remixes of these old songs, oh. you know? So there will be a stone song that then we just hit in like a wah, 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 God. and then it, it becomes new again. <laughs> Catherine in Santa Cruz, you're on yeah. KSCO. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Monsanto's Roundup is killing off the milkweed that is a critical necessary plant in the life cycle of the monarch butterfly. Um, the eggs are laid on milkweed plants and the caterpillars eat it when they come out of the chrysalis or whatever. So that's what's happening to monarch butterflies. There's actually, and people should plant milkweeds so that they do have that. Is that, is that thistle? Is that the same as thistle? I don't know. I, I really don't know. They call it milkweed because, you know, it, it's got it milky a, looking. Yeah, yeah, and it's bleed, it actually bleeding, has, it bleeds white stuff. Right. Yeah, and it actually has some kind of poisonous thing. But it, but it's, it's not poison to the monarch butterflies, to their caterpillars. And that's where they, they lay their, yes. their caterpillars. Oh, that's interesting. And I didn't they, know that. they have to have this. This is absolutely essential and there's nothing else that takes its place. There's actually a wonderful, um, I knew about this before, but there's a wonderful novel in the stores right now called Flight Behavior by Barbara Kingsolver, and it's all about that and, and climate change and everything that's affecting monarch butterflies. I mean, it's a fabulous book. She's an incredible writer. She's she my, is. my, my big sister. She's my, she's her, her like yeah. hero. Growing up, she, my, my sister's a really amazing, uh, creative writer, and she would just, she is. Love. And, and I remember she got, she got a, a letter from Barbara King Solver one time <laughs> in the mail because she wrote her, and she was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, but she, yeah, she's, she's a real person. She's a real person. She is. She's wonderful. I've seen her in person two years and years ago. But Flight Behavior, it's a fabulous novel with a lot of truth in it. Thank thank you so much for sharing that information. Let's save the butterflies. Thank you. Uh, Now, who wouldn't drink to that? Really? I certainly will. No kidding. They're they're very, very nice butterflies. And they're pollinators. We need them. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, until this program, I didn't know that there was any problem. Yeah. So another yeah. good, another another uh, positive public service. Yeah, this well, program thank you so has much. Provided. Kyle, Alrighty. you're fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Please okay. go to Surfing for Change on Facebook or our site I, and join the conversation. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Bye. Catherine. Rory in Watsonville, you got less than a minute. Oh, boy. Hey, a good program. What's your guest's name? Kyle Tierman. Kyle. T-H-I-E-R-M-A-N-N. Oh, yeah, Kyle. Oh, the last name is Tierman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Kyle. I just, quick question. I, I, I just got back from, uh, some continuing ed, uh, course with, uh, Sustainable Ag in San Luis Obispo. They had some UC Davis researchers talking about colony collapse disorder, and it was very interesting. Um, big, broad subject. A lot of science, and, and I, I'm with you on some of this GMO technology. Very curious. Only about uh, ten seconds left here. Sorry, right, sorry, Rory. That's it. It's the end of the show. Get, get right, right to us on.